This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down all the betting angles you need to put money in your wallet. So I need Baylor tonight. So yeah, it, it's the Bears plus five and a half. On the BetQL Audio Network. This will do it. This will do it. Scott Drew's dream comes true. Coach Drew and Baylor complete college basketball's greatest rebound and rebuild with a championship. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw it going down like that. Welcome to BetQL Daily. It's Joe Ostrowski and pro better Preston Johnson with me today. Our board up, Jake Hassan. Eli Herskovich is the executive producer. Dylan Burns is directing uh, in about an hour from now. We'll, we'll hit golf with Betty Greenstein from PointsBet. And Jeff Sherman will be here to tell us how the book did last night and how things are looking in the NBA and early on in Major League Baseball as well. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Here weekdays on the BetQL Audio Network weekdays, uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. Video is live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, and you can watch, listen, and subscribe on the free Odyssey app. Wow, Preston. Uh, If there was going to be a beatdown, we thought, if anything, it would be on the Zaga side, they would be cutting down the nets. We'd be talking about an undefeated season for the first time since 1976. Too big, too strong, too athletic for Baylor. What a mismatch. And uh, you have to think back. I think most of us were pleased that it was culminating to this moment in the championship game that we ended up missing Baylor versus Gonzaga earlier on in the season. But maybe, I'm not saying Baylor would have won that game, but maybe uh, we would have had some clues about about that occurring on Monday night. I think if we had, like, I, I'd be curious the adjustments that Few makes, right, in, in a second matchup, mm-hmm. had it been the national title still, but having gotten you know blown out earlier in the season, and it's their lone loss. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I was thinking about that earlier. So the actual numbers, I mean, you hate to just throw it all into like three point shooting differential, but yeah, uh, they lost by 16, and you know Gonzaga was minus 15 from three. Um, I think the the real shocker, I guess, is that they just didn't make a bigger push in the second half because I think when Baylor made their first six threes of the game, and Suggs picked up the two early fouls and had to leave the game, Gonzaga couldn't hit a shot to start. I, don't, I think they had one point four minutes in. It wasn't like surprising at that point. You're not you're never going to be you know within a few points of Baylor, so it's going to be a double digit game. They come back at half, they push it to 10, and then just to get blown out again in the second half, uh, essentially, I think it went back to like the 19, 20-point range at one point. Uh, you got to just credit Baylor. I think they just outplayed them. They were more efficient. And then the other thing, I guess, was just the fact that the turnovers for Gonzaga, some weird ones where they're like dribbling down the sideline and the ball just like pops out from under his hand and goes out of bounds and a few passes that just went into the stands out of bounds. Like 
they just looked like, uh, you know, the less crisp team and uh, the better team won for sure last night. And it, it is a little surprising, I guess, the final score people wanted to, to get a good game. But when, you know, Gonzaga shot 18 fewer field goal attempts and yep. they actually shot 51% from the field, they were pretty efficient. They got to the line. Um, they got three extra free throws. But the, the difference really was the amount of possessions that Baylor was able to have on top of the fact that they shot so well from three and the Gonzaga just didn't for most of the game. Baylor grabbed 16 more rebounds. And as you mentioned, that turned into 18 more shots on the game. You hit on those uh, turnovers. 14 Gonzaga turnovers turned into 19 points. And we could obviously come up with a story going into the game. Okay, um, Baylor, number one three-point shooting team. They're hitting it from the outside. If Baylor wins on, they're champions. The part that we weren't sure, <laughs> I don't think I, I didn't hear anyone predict, is that it would be a blowout. That, for being honest, the game was probably over in the first half, even though Gonzaga did make a run late first half. Uh, they did make a run. You know, it's funny. You wake up today. Oh, that thing was over in five minutes. I don't think anybody really no. thought that because if you were watching the, the live market, as soon as it would get way too high, like uh, in the first half, like it would, or early in the second half, when it would get to minus 500, minus 600, that thing was getting slammed. People were betting on Gonzaga again and again and again. But uh, the, the part that was surprising is along with the Baylor three point shooting was the, the other main storyline was that Baylor defense and just how they dominated the boards. Yeah, I think the defense was. I think they were frustrated Gonzaga because they they took away the three point shot, which generally you're like Gonzaga is okay with living with if it's Timmy in the post doing his thing. But they basically said we're not going to let you shoot many threes, but we're also then of all the twos you're going to get, we'll try to make Timmy take as few as possible. And he was fronted a lot, but then when like for example. Michigan did this to Florida State when you were fronting Dickinson inside, then they'd run the high-low, which basically they stole from Gonzaga, who ran it against Florida State in past years. They were bringing a three-point – the guy defending um, in the corner on the wing on the opposite side of the floor, uh, Baylor would bring up to that high post spot along the free-throw line. So Gonzaga actually mm -hmm. couldn't even run it because they were helping like ahead of time. And they were already pre-prepped for it because they knew they were going to front Timmy a lot. And – then they're just so athletic inside and, it, you know, even the time Suggs would get to the basket or whatever, you know, half the time it would get blocked. And it was just it was just a perfect setup for them. And it, it turned into, I think, the reason that Gonzaga turned it over because they weren't able to really do anything that they were accustomed to, whether it was getting the ball to Timmy. Um, the times that they did, you know, there were a few times Timmy turned it over himself, too. So they just kind of looked flustered yeah. the entire time. And the defense deserves a lot of the credit as well. Kispert, he did not have a great tournament, and um, I, I was one of those expecting that that he would ball out in this game, and he couldn't get a clean look all night. Couldn't get a clean look, so I, a lot of people looking at him at the next level earlier on in the season, there was talk of him being pretty high in the first round in the draft. Um, that is certainly going to be into question uh, after last night and what we saw over the last few games, uh, UCLA, USC um, as well, and so it's it's going to get forgotten about. So all, all year, oh, this is an all-time team. This is an all-time team. And because they lost the last game of the season in embarrassing fashion, that's going to be completely thrown out the window. Gonzaga, still a great team. And they got the very best game from UCLA on Saturday, and they got the best of Baylor. 
this is as good, if not better, than what the Baylor Bears looked like earlier on in the season. And I thought it was pretty uh, intriguing what Scott Drew had to say after the game. You know, if we don't have a COVID layoff, maybe we have two undefeated teams here. Obviously, you know, if there's no COVID layoff, that that other game isn't called. But wow, we could have been because you could see them dealing with a few issues in those first few games back. Oh, they cut me off again. There we go. Your uh, first game back, they were uh, big favorites against Iowa State. And I believe they had to come back and win late by four or five points. Then mm-hmm. they end up dropping two of their next three or four games. So, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was, I think, a lot of the reason that maybe Baylor ended up just being undervalued entering the season. The way I tried to explain it whenever I, I did spots or shows was kind of three versions of Baylor. You know, the first being the pre-COVID break, then the post-COVID one where they just weren't as good. But we've seen, you know, in the past with other leagues, other players, it's taken them some time before they're actually able to, get back and look hundred percent again. And then Baylor 3.0 is this tournament run where they seemed uh, completely rested and, and, you know, kind of back to the, that, that 1.0 version of, of themselves. And if not better, like you said, so uh, when you, it, it's hard, you say they really put together like the perfect game plan that mm-hmm. Baylor, I think took some from, and then when both teams just are hitting shots at a rate that there's nothing you can do at, at some point, uh, I think it also took a lot out of Gonzaga just, they came out obviously flatter, kind of lazier, and just slower from the ghetto get go. And and then the Suggs foul trouble. I, I still, Mark. How do I say this? I, I think there's still a an edge to be had in college basketball, especially because five fouls is the foul out instead of six. To become more progressive with how you rest your players with fouls in the first half, you really should never rest with two fouls. Like there's math on it. You can look back. There's people that have done stuff. Uh, Suggs ended up taking, I think, did he end up fouling three times total in the game? And and it was on one that was like a questionable block shot. Maybe he had to foul one more time near the end, but I don't, they weren't really fouling because it was such a blowout. Uh, there will be edges that I think in the next few years are kind of discovered and utilized more frequently in the, in the fouling foul trouble game. So theoretically Suggs should never have gone out. If he picks up a third at some point in the first half, then you can pull him out. But they, the game got away from them. By the time he came back in in that first half, and right. they were just playing from behind from for so long, I, there's there was a game too the right before I think was it the UCLA one where Timmy picked up early fouls, yep, and he pulled him and he got a third foul right away in the second half and he pulled him out again and it's like if you have three fouls with 18 minutes left and your season is on the line, you don't need to rest the guy for eight minutes of your 18 minute season uh, because he might get a fourth like pick, take him out when he has his fourth then if you need to. Uh, or taking someone out with four when there's only five minutes left in the game doesn't even make sense. What are you saving them for? So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be had there. And I'm not saying that that would have changed the game completely. Baylor probably still wins. But if Sugg isn't, Suggs isn't pulled, I think maybe they're, they have more than one point, you know, at that point, <laughs> uh, yeah. four to five minutes in. With your Suggs example, what do you mean the math is behind it? Is part of that the refs are not going to give – was one of the star players a third foul that early in the game or I know I mean there's no I'm not sure about the the refs doing it intentionally or not but you just look at the frequency in which players pick up a third foul or the amount of times someone with two fouls three minutes into the game actually fouls out is so small and and even getting to four fouls is so infrequent and so uh, a lot of it now is a little bit skewed because they're getting rested and they probably don't need to be so you're trying to find that equilibrium balance but there's i think there's still some progressiveness i guess in the analytically uh in the analytical circles on as far as foul trouble 
and like especially in the national championship game where like your season's on the line. Um, I was disappointed, I guess, to see Suggs pulled and they sat on it and then they were down 15 and they had to bring him back in and it was kind of too late at that point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did not do well with the player props, but that was okay because I was just looking for a Baylor cover. So I I uh, took home an ATS last night standing. <laughs> yes, yeah, I did. I was like, really? I'm not going to sweat the entire night, not even a yeah. little bit. Um, don't mean to pour salt in any wounds here, but how did you handle uh, before the game? You needed Gonzaga and Baylor, the dog. So did you play the other side? No, I did not. I uh, I even had the guys at uh prop swap that have like the, the transactions where uh, they'll sell a ticket from somebody else for what's usually a better price than the market is offering. And I just, I, there was one for like 7,500 on Baylor that I, I considered for maybe like 30 seconds. And I didn't have a ton on Gonzaga to begin with. And my whole thing was right. always, you know, Gonzaga is going to win it all. I'm just betting it the first before the first game of the season and letting it ride to the end. So it was close one game away, but uh, it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was terrible in the props because I didn't think Gonzaga would have their lowest scoring game of the entire year. But that's exactly what happened. A season low 70 points for the Zags. I want to bring in our executive producer, Eli Herskovich, also co-host the BetQLU podcast. Eli, overall thoughts on this game? I mean, th- this that was the result that uh, none of us were, were really talking about. Yeah, for sure. I didn't expect a blowout. But man, Baylor's defense... As good as Gonzaga was during the regular season, during conference play, during the conference tournament, during the tournament, in terms of not turning the ball over, Baylor forcing 14 turnovers. Like Preston mentioned how Baylor got those extra shots, like plus 18 in terms of field goals made and field goals attempted. It was because of their defense. They created all those second chance opportunities on the offensive glass and on the just overall in the rebounding department. But then they also forced a ton of turnovers for a Gonzaga team that barely turns it over that backcourt, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, even Macy Teague. I mean, they all created turnovers, even uh flagler and Tom Latachua everyday John, that defense was just incredible last night. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, and you were, you were on Baylor. Did you do anything live? I bet a little extra on Baylor when they got out to that quick start because they were just dominating defensively. And yeah, you see teams go up seven zip nine, two, 11, two, whatever it might've been. And then the other team makes a run, but you could just tell. And that's what I was expecting to happen. Not in that sense of a blowout, but I was expecting Baylor's defense to be able to swarm like that. So once it got to that point, Baylor was like plus two and a half plus one and a half, like a two point edge where I bet a little extra on the bears. It it felt like that minus one minus two was sitting around forever, or it would start to go up a little bit and then people would knock it down because there was so much Zags money coming in. But that's what you get when you get what people uh, view as an all time team. And they probably are. And now we have, uh, there's fuel added to the fire for everyone that has been saying Gonzaga will never win a championship. They play in a bad conference. They're not battle tested during the season. So they lose in the title game again, and you know those people are going to be out. 
Didn't they beat like eleven top thirty teams this year? <laughs> you, no, it doesn't matter. You can't say that. You can't say that. It's yeah. <laughs> I know. No, I mean it's just it's just going to happen. Hopefully, uh, one day Mark Few will, will get his title. He does deserve. But great job for Scott Drew. You have to give credit on the other side. Eighteen years of building that program and the mess that he took yeah, over after Dave. Dave Bliss. I mean, he spent one year coaching at Valpo, and then what he did over the last 18 years, uh, they were near the bottom of the conference for four, gave him time, and now they are champions, like he said he was going to be when they first came in. Joe Ostrowski, Preston Johnson. This is BetQL Daily. We'll start to take a look at Major League Baseball in today's 14-game card. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network.